Earners, what's going on? Listen, EYLU is relaunching, revamping, retooling. That's right, we're creating a new educational experience that's more expansive. Shari, tell me what we got. Yes, 2023. We got a lot in store, a lot planned for you guys. So you know that EYLU already includes monthly financial planning calls with me, book club calls with Troy, real estate calls with MG the Mortgage Guy, access to the home buying blueprint, volume one and volume two. Part of the revamp will include 27 local chapters from across the United States, live interactive teaching, hands-on, not just pre-recorded videos, plus 15 brand new curriculums. The biggest just got bigger. Head over to EYLUniversity.com. That's E-Y-L-U-N-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y.com. See you there. Earners, what's up? Look, I want to give y'all a little peek behind the curtain of producing Earn Your Leisure. It's a lot more than just sitting down and chatting. It involves meticulous planning, recording, editing, and then promoting each episode to ensure it reaches all of you. And if you picked up any of our merch, then you know there's a whole extra layer of logistics from inventory management to shipping. Running a podcast is like running a small business. And speaking of business, I know many of you entrepreneurs are involved in e-commerce. You understand how crucial it is to streamline operations and cut costs wherever possible. That's why I want to talk to you about ShipStation, the multi-carrier shipping solution that integrates seamlessly with all your online sales channels. It's all about optimizing your shipping, connecting with expert partners, and freeing up more of your time to focus on scaling your business. Now let's talk about our experience with ShipStation. This tool has been a game changer for us, especially with automating routine tasks. Being able to manage everything from one dashboard and print shipping labels with just a click, absolute lifesavers. Plus, the discounts we get on shipping costs are incredible. Honestly, it feels like we're saving thousands. And as our show and merch sales have grown, ShipStation's robust automation and reporting features have helped us keep up without missing a beat. For those of you who get overwhelmed by order volumes, ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard is a dream come true. You can import orders from any sales channel, apply shipping preferences automatically, and handle customer service issues right there. Not to mention the savings with up to 89% off carrier rates like UPS, DHL Express, and USPS. It's no wonder over 130,000 companies stick with ShipStation long-term. So, are you ready to turn your shipping challenges into growth opportunities? Head over to ShipStation.com and use promo code EARN for a free 60-day trial. Again, that's ShipStation.com, promo code EARN. Start streamlining your shipping and scaling your business today. Earners, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. 
You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, the real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over there and start using it now. Money coming in, man. Listen, you don't, you don't, you don't give a guy like me. I was, I was dead broke, twenty eight years old. The story goes, oh, I moved my, my, turned my mother's house into a factory. Well, let me tell you how that story went. Turn it into a factory. Three months later, I was three months late on the mortgage and almost lost my mother's house. I didn't know what I was doing. It wasn't because that I didn't, ha- I didn't. I, it wasn't because I bought lavish things, but I was paying for raw goods ninety days ahead of time paying for a staff, paying for, you know, shipping, and my stores didn't pay me for 90 days. I was being choked by the float. So I had a lack of financial intelligence. So I almost went bankrupt twice. All right, guys, welcome back, EYL. This is uh, a highly anticipated episode, something that we've been working on for almost three years. Three years in the making. Shout out to Chauncey for deliberately uh, making this as hard as possible to he, get done. He put every barrier in our way. Yes. He gave us <laughs> fraudulent schedules. <laughs> now I want to shout out to Chauncey. Thank you guys. Uh, it, it. It's not that difficult. Chauncey and and I'm I'm dyslexic, but Chauncey has a high level of dyslexia. <laughs> so we could have done this if three years. We could have done this two years and nine months ago. But if you leave it up to Chauncey, yeah. oh man. Makes sense now. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to you. Shout out to Nicole. Yes. Yeah. Shout out to dyslexics. <laughs> well, we got it done. So Equal Damon John, one of the most legendary entrepreneurs of our generation. Definitely. Definitely of our culture. When you look at, you know, founder, FUBU, transitioned into a motivational speaker, to a best-selling author, to one of the sharks on Shark Tank, mm-hmm. has reinvented himself over the years. Um and become a superstar in, in the entrepreneurial world. One of the only people in our culture that has actually yeah. been able to do that. Um, We've had conversations about that. Can we think of a, a superstar businessman from our culture? We uh, usually start with you and then we kind of start, who else do we know? And then we can name them probably three or four, but definitely your name is, is at the forefront of it. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. And obviously there's many that came before me, Percy Sutton and Kathy Hughes and, so many other people, but yeah, it, it is an honor. It, and, but it's also, as I listen to your, you know, your podcast, is also a shame because uh, we were talking previously to this or prior to this, you know, there's very few who've been able to split the, the world of entertainment and business effectively, right? And and as we know, it's, it's disgusting that I'm the only African-American on a, on a, on a major network um, that didn't come from music, sports, or politics. Um, when there's so many of us, as you as you just, you know, you did other best fast and various other things, and a lot of people behind the scenes that they don't see that look like us, mm-hmm. right? It, it shouldn't be like. And nothing wrong with music sports or politics. To even get to the highest level of that is very hard. But yeah, it, it's it's an honor, but it's crazy. Well, first and foremost, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's yeah. an honor. So I want to start there. Actually, we could start right there. So I've been fascinated with. I've been studying this, like as far as having a celebrity in the, from the world of business. And there's a model for it. Donald Trump, I think, 
was one of the most successful people to actually become a famous celebrity for business, right? And then, you know, obviously the Mark Cubans of the world and now Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg and there's a variety of different people. Right. But like you said, for our culture, the superstar entrepreneurs, it's their second career after sports usually. Like Magic right. Johnson, mm -hmm. like Michael Jordan, or they're tied to music, like Diddy, like Jay-Z. Very few people have been able to crack that code to gain that level of notoriety, fame, and influence not attached to sports or entertainment. You did. Was that a vision that you had early in FUBU or like when did you see a pathway of, okay, at some point I'm going to have to transition and I'm going to have to build my own brand and become a figure that is not attached just to clothing? Great question. Very rare that I have been asked questions that I haven't been asked prior to that. Um, there are cultural and systemic reasons why a lot of times we have not done that. First of all, I want to address that is that. Uh, if you look at business in general, uh, it used to be make it and they will come. Uh, and so you do have prior to obviously Trump from Trump came from a very celebrity standpoint. Who's he dating? Whatever the case is prior to that, we may have known of the titans of industry, right? For Rockefeller, da, 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 da. Um, but as African-Americans, you know, uh, you know, systemically, you know, if you rise up in a company that most likely or almost always was not from your culture, well, you start to intimidate people or so you got to be quiet on your rise. Right. So you never wanted to be that person in front because, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you you offend other people that may say, well, why is that person doing that? So a lot of the superstars in the businesses have had to be quiet uh, to watch their back for the most part. So I can understand that. But you look at the other ones who come from these other areas, they were already in front of the camera. Right. Or Jordan uh, or Dr. J, whatever the case is. So it was a very easy transition as well. The only thing they did different than 99 percent of the athletes or everybody else is instead of being running down the court and just thinking about the check they're getting, they were talking to people on the front of the court and saying, wait, you don't don't you own this and that? Don't you? Own hey, man, how can I be a value to you? And they took that asset that they had right there. And they, they, they double down on that. But for me, I never necessarily wanted to be in front of the camera in that sense. I always liked being in front of the camera, but I came up and I came up in Hollis, Queens, and there was so many music artists from Hollis, Queens. So I grew up, uh, Onyx used to cut my hair. And uh, when, you know, like Fred Rowe used to cut my hair and, uh, you know, I literally, uh, Deb, whose son is... Um, uh, Waka Flocka lived four houses down from me. Uh, the, the guy everybody knows, Bimmy. I remember when I was about seven or six years old. I remember, uh, you know, uh, I locked him up in my garage because he was about he was a little bit younger than me, and I was an only child. And my mother was like, "Let's go in the garage." I but, but put him in the garage for like two minutes or whatever the case. She was, I was like, "I got I got a friend to play with." She's like, "Boy, get that one for the the, the boy down the block. You made you made it. get that." <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, I was going on tours at 14, 15 years old, and I was like, I'm going to be the biggest in, in fashion. My other buddy was like, I'm going to be the biggest in music. I'm going to be the biggest. And the other buddy's like, three or four of us. I'm going to be the biggest in um, videos. And one of my dudes was like, I'm going to be the biggest drug dealer. Well, that was me, Hype Williams, Irv Gotti, and... Um, Jimmy? Uh, no, no. And my, no, my, my boy, Alfred, who they made the movie Belly about, who literally just came home after 27 years. So we all Belly hit... about him? 
Which yep. character? DMX character or not? DMX, DMX. DMX. So we all, so I grew up in this world, you know, um, but also seeing LL and all of them and not knowing LL really well. But of course, when you grow up there, well, you know, Mookie's his bodyguard. And you go on these tours and you go when they're in Troy, New York or 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 Poughkeepsie, you know, you roll up there in the car, the train, however you can get up there. Uh, and I started to see them, but I saw their personal life was like if L's at a restaurant, he's arguing with his wife. Somebody's coming home, come, coming, shoving a, at that time, shoving a piece of paper in his face and they could be having an argument. And I never wanted that level of uh, fame to the most part. But as my partner and I uh, came out with FUBU, I did want some acknowledgement. Um, I wanted to make sure that we were known and we marketed ourselves so we didn't have to be at the mercy of managers and everybody else need a brown bag to get their man to, you know, shoot a, shoot a, shoot a campaign. And then um, I transitioned and said, I do want to be the face of business in a sense, but I was thinking more like when we grew up like a Walter Cronkite, you know, like a, a newscaster, you know, and you see a newscaster, something like that, walk down the block, and you, you don't go crazy, right? And so I went on to the show called Shark Tank and I didn't think it was going to be a cultural phenomenon. Well, actually, I didn't even think Shark Tank was going to work. Um, and I know you've interviewed my man a couple of times, but it really Mark Cuban is the one who pushed it over the edge and got it to actually get picked up after the third season when they were going to close it down. Because truth be told, all these other celebrities, many of them have been on there after that. All these other celebrities were saying, I'm not going to go on a show where I don't know who a Damon John is, Barbara Corker and all the people. I'm too big to go on that show. I need my own show. And Mark, being a, a tech guy, looked up the data and saw that it was one of the top shows on network watch kids five to 15 and parents and kids together. And he said, I don't care who they are. I'll come on the show if it's going to help America and help our children. And when he came on the show, he was able to go on Jimmy Kimmel and all those shows because when we were like, yeah, we want to go on Jimmy Kimmel, they were like, we don't know you. <laughs> They're like, well, explain Shark Tank. Who wins? Do they get dumped in the pool of sharks? Is it Shark Week? We couldn't explain it. Shark Week. But it was Mark Cuban that moved it over the level. So anyway, long, long story short, um, I didn't expect to be here um, in that sense of uh, being, you know, on a very popular culture uh, show. And it's, it's just been a blessing, though, because... You know, uh, you know, I, I get to I get to invest in other people's dreams and people walk up to me and all they want to do is share with me their ideas because they just want to feed their family. So mm -hmm. the TV was the thing that really pushed you over the edge to become the celebrity figure. You know, I think that until you're famous, you don't know you ain't famous. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a fool guy and I was respected in various different ways. And it was God had blessed me with that. But, you know, at this level, when I can call a president, you know, um, everybody take my call once. At least. Unless you, got, I, you, got, unless you, got I, hood, you got hood fame. Unless I play myself. Yeah. yeah. I, I had, no, I was still on, a, I could still get on some level of TV at any given time, you know, but I I would be getting on the TV and I'd be talk. I would talk more about my perspective on inner city or fashion. Now I can get on and talking about, you know, deficits and or where, you know, what commodity you should invest in or whatever, because when you know the fundamentals of businesses, you know, I'm sure as, as part of your, you know, your DNA is your assets feed you and your liabilities eat you. And when I can talk about that in, in some level of being articulate and didn't go to college and I'm not on some PhD, you know, level like that, a lot of people relate to that. So the, the marketing campaign for FUBU was one thing, right? Because that's a brand. I remember the first time I ever saw it was 
I was watching Video Music Box. Right. Mm -hmm. You were talking to Ralph McDaniel. Ralph McDaniel, for sure. Right. And so that was part of the marketing plan to build that. Yes. But you also have to build your own personal brand. Yes. Which is completely different. Or maybe there are some, some similarities there. What was that like for you, knowing that you have a brand, but you're also now having to build a personal brand? You know, I think everybody faces being held in a box, right? And and uh, as you build your personal brand, you have to break down the barriers. And even the people that know you and love you and respect you will often say, oh, I don't think that's you. You, know, you can't do it. And not because they, they're hating on you, just because they haven't seen the vision yet. And you have to be kind of obsessed with it. Um, so to build a personal brand, I had to build that brand that was out of fashion, um, because people are just going to say, hey, man, you you you, you grew a fashion company. Want to hear more about fashion, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and if I say, oh, I want to talk about angel investing, but you don't have anything else. How do you know? Mm -hmm. Right? Um, because before I became an angel investor, I failed several times. Uh, so FUBU was starting to slow down, right? Um, and we started to build it up in Europe. And um, then I, I, we got, I bought uh, Ted Baker. I brought it to the United States. I licensed it. Um, I failed at it because they wanted to do retail stores. I failed at that. I bought Kappa, uh, the soccer company. They were like, man, soccer's going to take off in the United States. Yeah, it's taking off now. What are we, 2023? Kappa, the K-A-P-P-A? Yeah, the back-to-back -back people yeah, 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 on it. Yeah. You, you own Ted Baker? No, no, no. I licensed it, oh, okay. and I gave it back because I failed at it. I, I was never a retail store operator. Kappa, I got it in 1999. Failed at it, right? Because nobody wanted a whole Kappa um, alpha, alpha. They wanted their Ireland or their, you know, they wanted one team, right? Mm -hmm. uh, then I got a company called Heatherette. I failed at it. Another company called Married to the Mob. Failed at it. And then I brought Kuji out of bankruptcy. Um, also Etonic. I bought Etonic. Right. Um, and so I started to push Kuji out in a big way. But... The way that I really got it out, I got it on, you know, Ross and all these guys and girls. But I also, there was these uh, three young girls out of California who was coming out with a clothing store. And I was in, in charge of being their product integration person. And nobody, I walked these girls around the entire city. And I said to all my people, like the people who will have big brands, hey, these girls are going to be big.Obody believed me. $75,000. You can put all your clothes in their show the whole year. They were like, I don't know what a Kardashian is. They're never going to be anybody. Damon, you're wasting your money. You're wasting your time. So I just put Kooji in the first three seasons of their show. And it was out of here, you know. Um, so, you know, a, a, a lot of different. But then people knew me then as a as somebody who was an angel investor. Because I started acquiring different companies and not stressing that I only needed to build just FUBU because I knew that uh, fashion comes and goes. These things happen simultaneously. FUBU, you still have FUBU. Yeah. You're acquiring other brands. to add Yeah, to I still have FUBU. So what, was, what I was doing is I'm a very, uh, I'm just basic common sense analytical person. I knew that if you really look at all the brands in the market, there's, there's very few, maybe Nike and Louis Vuitton are the unicorns. But when I got into the market at first in the, in the early 90s, Levi's was doing 18 billion. They went down to three, they're back up to like nine. Right. And I knew that was United Color of Bellantons. I'm not sure. Lacoste for T for various other brands. I didn't take it personal, but I realized that if a kid has four years of FUBU in their closet and they're in high school and they go to college, they may want to look a little different. 
right? They want to change up their style. And I didn't take it personal. Well, a lot of people hold on to certain things. They don't look at the writing on the wall, whether they're an athlete and they look at 65% of athletes are bankrupt three years after leaving the league, right? It's not that, you know, you got to look at the analytics. And when you look at the analytics, then you know how you can solve a problem or adjust yourself to a problem. Mm. So you knew that the life cycle of FUBU was only going to be a short period of time. I knew it would come back, but I knew that, well, what am I going to do by the time it comes back? They said uh, fashion repeats itself every 20 years. Like clockwork, 20 years later, it's repeating itself. Right? You're seeing the drakes and the scissors and all them wearing Nike it. clothes and everything. Uh, mm -hmm. Right, right. But I knew that. So I had to say to myself, well, what am I going to do? Well, I knew that it's going to last four years. I'm on a ninth year of a four-year run, right? Three years ramping, da, da 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 I said, all right, well, let me keep placing it in Europe and, and all these other countries. Let me start making other looks because let me make suits and bedding because if you see the big logo out there for a long period of time, I can make 20,000 shirts with a huge logo. It's going gonna, it's gonna to look like a million shirts or I can make a million shirts or a million suits with no logo and I'll still be as effective, retain more and not down, you know, not push down the value of the company, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you just gotta, everything is really simple to understand. It's just how do you operate and turn around, you know, and and and, and pivot. What, what are the challenges with the, the title of urban clothing? Right, because we, when we, we think about that and we think about the brands that have come and stay and have sustainability, they never have that title, but when we look at those categories, yeah. we kind of see them come and go. Well, listen, they all come and go, but it is all, it is all, why do you put that title on it, right? Um, because is it urban because black people wear it or black people design it? Black people wear Levi's and Adidas. Black people design Levi's and Adidas too, right? So, you know, people do put you in boxes. Um, you know, you know, I always looked at FUBU as, you know, you have Levi's, who's an American cowboy. You have, uh, you know, uh, FUBU, who's an American street kid. Um, but it's hard to chase after those things that are defining who you are, right? Because FUBU is known as baggy clothes. Now, in Europe, we never made baggy clothes. It, it was here. Um, that uh, We love it. Um, and the reason why we made it, and then, then people say, well... You know, you're the ones who made baggy clothes. The kids had their pants hanging off their ass. No, our baggy clothes actually fit. It's supposed to be worn the right side so you have a lot of movement in it. Kids are wearing clothes hanging off their ass. Sometimes they'll be the skinniest jeans I've ever seen in my life. I don't even know how these they can't, they can't fit. That's why. Yeah, <laughs> their knees be holding together, man, when they walk in. Even they be over down here and they see in the underwear. So it's all, you know, you, you there's going to be a lot of perceptions of your brand and and. That's a good thing. It's a bad thing. When you get so big, you can't, you know, really, you know, contain what the perception is. You have to look at it as this is my core consumer. The football core consumer was uh, the core consumer was young males, 18 to 35, who initially wanted to support African-American companies, but they didn't necessarily. The only choice they had was either Kente colored type of clothing and or uh you know other stuff that we were making you know uh airbrushes up but they wanted Ameri uh they wanted very they wanted a jean suit to be blue and not red or not yellow and not green um and they were willing to pay a little bit extra for quality so let's revisit this kardashian situation how how did your relationship start with them and what is, what's that story 
Uh, I had a company <clears throat> called Heatherette I was investing in, and I think it was Paris Hilton and the girls from Danny Kane were coming to walk the fashion show, and they had this girl with them who was, uh, you know, kind of like she had a microphone, and it was Kim. And, um, and you know, I was like, oh, okay, what's up, and talked to them. And, and then Chloe and I started hanging out. She became like one of the boys, like Chloe and... Um, we spent New Year's together, and then um, uh, Kim started to blow up. I, she was with uh, Reggie, I think, and uh, and she started to blow up. And then Chloe at the time was like, you know, D, I, you know, I don't know if I really want to get out there like that. And was, she was just one of the boys. We were just hanging out. And uh, I remember her, the, the Kim video came out, and the show was already kind of like in pilot form. And a lot of people think that Kim had did the video or Ray J, whoever, right, did the video to become famous. They actually were going to cancel the show um, due to that. Um, and then Chris, uh, very, very smart. Chris had done a lot of this stuff prior to that. Um, and Chris said, listen, you know, I know everybody. She knew the Olsen twins family and everything else. And she said, hey, why don't you help us start to to brand the girls and, and help us with the direction? And we were just like family. And I just we just we just kept helping them. I, I had always done that. You know, a lot of people don't know that um, with FUBU, I was one of the top um, product placement people. And um, we would put we would put our stuff in almost if you had reality shows, we put our stuff in almost 250 videos annually. So you would have a lot of the music artists and the labels call us and say, hey, we need an extra 20, 10 or 20 thousand dollars for to rent this house, these cars or whatever the case is. And put the brands in there. So I'd put my brand in there. I'd put Jeep Cherokee in there, Kawasaki in there, embarrassed of the things. And I just love the girls. You know, I, 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 um, I dealt with a lot of celebrities and you have a lot of people who are, they're celebrities. Um, but then you have people who are business people first and they're celebrities second business people first are the ones who are people of their word. They end up, they show up on time. They don't have the massive crew looking for the brown bags around them. And those business people are like the Kardashians, Pitbull, Lennox Lewis. You have certain people that, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. You have certain people that you just relate to, right? They're just good people. On the other hand, you have the other people who are, you know, we, we, didn't, we don't all necessarily roll the same or move the same. You have other people who just come from different backgrounds. And I like Keith, handle that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Keep the one who's gonna go to, to the studio all night with old dirty bassinet and do that track again. You, you, when you when y'all shooting something, you wear something for me. All right, I got this one, mom. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that's the great thing about us as the 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 football guys. I have to say, my partners, we were able to be in four different places at four different times with four different uh, points of view. Um, and then you got Jay, the really classy, super, you know, the dress one who was just fly all the time. And you got Carl, he kind of flows in between us all. So, so, so that's how we always were really effective. We could be in four different places. So Jay, when we interviewed Jay, he said something. He you said, interviewed Jay already too? Yeah. Walk yeah, yeah, yeah. and Jay, yo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you ain't go through Chauncey on that, did you? Nah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give you money. You got my number. I'm gonna give you money. Uh, Shout out to Jay. Call on me. Got you. <laughs> so he said like um, he felt that he he kind of paraphrasing it, but he kind of blamed the culture for the downfall of football because he said like it get to a point where everybody's rooting for you, you reach to a point, and then everybody start to turn their back on you. Yeah, and then they start to make jokes about the closing, and now it becomes a punchline, 
And it's a weird dynamic that happens with brands in our culture where it's like at when you reached up the top, now you're corny. Yeah. How do you feel about Powerful. that? I, we like we like to rip ourselves. So, you know, we like to rip. Okay, that's not just the us thing, right? Because I, I see on Shark Tank now, there's no more. The, the stories are great to talk about where they can try to dig and get something and they can't because the, the show is so real. But, you know, people like to build you up, rip you down, and then build you back up. But, yeah, I mean, that's the truth. You know, um, a lot of cats would be like, yo, man, where do I get FUBU, man? Yo, where can I buy it? Same goddamn place you buy everything else. You looked it up online? <laughs> no? Then why are you asking me, man? You know, um, <laughs> it's just straight up. Um, you know, that that is what happened. But they do make, a lot of people have made fun of it. But um, listen, it, it just is what it is. Uh, uh I'm 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 lost for words in a sense because I don't think that I don't I don't want to say it in the wrong way, but I do think that we should honor the brands that have come out because you won't hear them laugh about Supreme or Nike or Ralph or Lauren. The, huh? Ralph Lauren. Yeah, Ralph Lauren. You won't hear them laugh about that stuff. Or even know? Nordica. Even when Nordica fell off, it still it, it never was corny. Yeah, it wasn't people, like yo. It wasn't yeah. like a lot. People just stopped wearing it. Yeah, you know I. You know, there's systemic things that are way above my pay grade to to discuss, to, to, to really articulate those things in the right way. But I think sometimes it's the, I'm no longer there. Yo, I'm better than that. I, and I got to tell you, you know, we never sold FUBU because we never sold it because, um, and everybody said we did, we never did. We never sold it because so many people said, please don't, right? Um, and we never sold it, but only 10% of people are African-Americans who are FUBU. And somebody said, how dare you say that? Well, I know because we're big in Malaysia. Hmm. Uh, how many black people you see running around Malaysia? Currently big in Malaysia right now. We're big in Malaysia. We're big in Germany. We're big in, uh, we are big in South Africa. Um, but Korea, um, Philippines. Um, uh, but, you know, I noticed the ones who wear it the most, let's say America, the 10% that wear it the most, hmm. it's either music artists, african American. I'm talking about Black people, right? Music artists, very wealthy African-Americans, and uh, very aware and culturally aware African-Americans. And they don't wear it as just FUBU. I think that, as you see, uh, a lot of the, the big music artists where they say they're making a statement of, hey, I can wear anything. I'm going to wear this once in a while, too, right? Uh, the culturally aware African-Americans do the same thing. They go... Listen, no matter what, they'll they'll wear dashiki, they'll wear that, they'll wear Louis Vuitton. And then the really wealthy wear it because they go, I can buy anything. And I'm gonna buy Tom Ford today and I'm gonna wear, I'm gonna buy this tomorrow. Uh it's the ones who are aspiring to someplace else who don't often support it as much as you know they could. And you know what? Maybe they don't like it. It's fine too. You're not I don't ever want somebody to buy it because they're supposed to buy it. You're not supposed to buy nothing. We're supposed to provide you value. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you don't buy because you don't like it, I get that too. You yeah. know? What, what, what you're speaking of, I, I hear global expansion. And you kind of went over the roles of having partners. And yeah. one's guy's fly guy, the other guy's the guys don't run to the studio. But you take me as a guy who was the business, the business mind. And so as you're seeing money coming in. Yeah. It's the first time for everybody. Like, that's one of the things in our community 
we're first time everything, right? So we're yeah. first time millionaires. And so what was that like dealing with now that we have part we're partners, but everybody has made money, how we're gonna sustain money, what are we doing with the money? Are we investing it? Are we reinvesting it in the business? And then when we start to see sales decline, now having conversations with saying, all right, we might need to scale back a little bit or we have to change our, our plan. Man, that's why I say so successful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't think your boy, your boy's doing all right. You guys are doing questions around you. I ain't never been asked before. Put me on the spot. All right. Well, money coming in, man. Listen, you don't, you don't, you don't give a guy like me. I was, I was dead broke, twenty eight years old. The story goes, oh, I moved my, my turn my mother's house into a factory. Well, let me tell you how that story went. Turn it into a factory. Three months later, I was three months late on the mortgage and almost lost my mother's house. I didn't know what I was doing. It wasn't because that I didn't, ha I didn't, I, it wasn't because I bought lavish things, but I was paying for raw goods 90 days ahead of time, paying for a staff, paying for, you know, shipping and my stores didn't pay me for 90 days. I was being choked by the float. So I had a lack of financial intelligence. So I almost went bankrupt twice before I made money. Now I got 20 million liquid in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Different feeling. Don't give me 20 million liquid in the bank. <laughs> more bottles. Mm, more bottles. <laughs> more houses, more Satisfied yards. customer <laughs> every night at the club. And oh, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't. I can't. I can't buy commercial. That's the nope. C word. Start civilized. Why would I ever do Start that? civilized. Right? Oh, everybody had a $5,000 problem, too. For some reason, after I stopped giving everybody those, everybody, I, I had $250 a year average out. Every time I, whenever I stopped giving those people those $5,000, they were still miraculously alive the next year. <laughs> oh, now you, you got to open up a couple of companies, right? Um, then you invest in the market high, planes crash into a building, you pull it out low because you're like, it's never gonna come back. And what are you talking about? You come back in 18 months. Oh, bankers are calling you all the time. Yo, let me help you with your money. And you know, your ego's in the way. Help me with my money. How much you making a year, homeboy? <laughs> you making 200,000, I got 20 million dollars. Maybe I should help you with your money, my man. <laughs> but you don't realize that person went to school for financial intelligence and that person is working for uh, a JP Morgan Chase and has access to what commodities are moving or bonds and various other things. So almost went bankrupt. Um, and now the business now, uh, and, and this is exactly what potentially happens with athletes. There's nothing wrong being an athlete. I mean, it's harder to be an athlete, I think, and make it in, what is there, 1,500 professional athletes in the country? Right? I think it's harder to be an athlete than it is to be a millionaire. So I'm going to tell you, these people, these athletes are extremely talented and they're at the top, top of the game, but they didn't learn financial intelligence just like I didn't. However, they get a bite at the apple at 24. My body, the apple kept going, mm -hmm. right? But when I saw that 20 go, I was like, all right, now there's a problem. Oh, 20, you just ran through it. Gone. Basically. Yeah. Uh, Dwindled. When 20 go to four, it's gone. <laughs> um, and now I was like, yo. Emergency there, alarm. There's a problem. Who do I need to talk to? Cancel the DJ. You know who I need to talk to? Somebody who don't need me. Ah. Let me call a bunch of cats who I know and they're, and they're like, yeah, I saw you pulling out that cash every day, huh? I saw you. Um, I, I didn't want to say nothing. Why did you say nothing? They're not my business, man. You can do whatever you want your money. But that person's worth a billion dollars. Hey, what should I do? 
So I sat home. I watched Jim Cramer, Mad Money, for three years straight. Came on every single day. Came on twice. It still comes on twice a day. Mm -hmm. And he's just like you. I'm not only here to educate you, but to entertain you. And I started to understand why stocks move and what is capital gains and compounding interest and how to go on margin and what not to do with margin and various other things, right? Uh, and how the wealthy stay wealthy and uh, they pay a certain amount of taxes, but they also there's a lot of incentives to give charitable organizations and it makes you better. Right. Because somebody will sit there and say the rich don't pay taxes. Well, the rich pay taxes, but they pay it accordingly. Right. But you would say, well, listen, you got 10 million dollars in the bank. You're in and your stocks. Right. 10 million dollars. You have that investing in your stock. Your stocks go from 10 to 20. Right. Well, now the 10 is your hard cash in. That same whatever financial institution will let you go on margin. They will let you pull out 50 percent. Right. The 10 million dollars that is that is profitable. Right. That's called margin. You could take that margin and go buy more Apple and go buy more Tesla and go. And that's the same thing with real estate. When you pull that margin out, you're now paying interest at six, seven, eight percent. You're not paying taxes at 40 percent. You can do that if you have a thousand dollars in a bank. You go to two thousand. Now you have a thousand on margin. However, margin is very dangerous <laughs> because a lot of people take margin and buy the wrong things with it. Or margin is trading places. Margin calls, gentlemen. <laughs> When that mark goes down, wait a minute, I don't have any money. What do you want me to do? Your brother's dying. Fuck him. Like, that, you know, like margin can be dangerous. Margin, margin the dangerous. Yes. That's margin. called over leveraging. And that's what put us in a really big bind in 08. Right. But again, to understand this information, it's right there. You know, when I was growing up, it wasn't there. You had to call a stockbroker. The guy had to, or the girl had to qualify you. You couldn't go on and open a TD Ameritrade account. You couldn't follow a hundred, uh, 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 you know, Instagrams that are talking about finance and trading and Bitcoin and whatever the case is. You didn't have an earn your leisure where you can hear cats talking about it. I didn't have access to information. Access is the most critical thing you need, right? So... When I started to have that access to information, I said, well, let me look at Jim Cramer. Whoa, whoa, let me ask these people over here who have money. I started to understand what, what it really is to have wealth. And when you get in those rooms, when you're in the room with rich people, they talk about how much they spend. You get in the room with wealthy people, they talk about how much they gave away. Totally different game. So let's talk about this international play. You're saying you're, you're big all, all over um, with football current. A lot of people probably don't know that. How does that work? Like, as far as like, when did, did you go to like each market individually? Did you see the landscape and say, okay, this Indonesia makes sense and China doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, and how were you able to sustain that over the course of 20 years? So, man, <laughs> I feel like this, this is an inspiring choice. You got my I got to get it out of Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting in my office one day and my partner, uh, I distributed Norm, came over to me and said, hey, man, this guy wants to license your your brand. Fool, boy, so well, license? What, what the hell is a license? He said, yeah, this is Jonah Cash. He's worth, <clears throat> worth about six or seven billion dollars. Owns a Sears Towers. A couple of brands you may have heard of. Uh, Guest, Jordash. Uh, he wants to do Fubu Ladies. So, well, what do you mean? He said, well, Damien, you don't want to do ladies. We don't want to do ladies. Why? Well, we don't make ladies clothes. I said, but I make clothes. Yeah, man. 
a, a, a jean in, in, in men's, right? Uh, a size 34, there's four sizes, right? 34 long, 34 short, 34 baggy, 34 slim. Uh, a, a, a denim pan in women's for a size 12, there's 21 sizes, right? The the the, the thighs <laughs> is big. The the gap in the back, stretch, uh, crotch, uh, uh, thighs. You say, yo, man, you don't want to do this. You want to license it. What the hell is it like? It's like a lease. You you know, they'll, they'll, they'll take this, you authorize, you put the models in, you authorize everything, and they'll give you 10%. If you were Mickey Mouse, then you're going to get 15% of gross. Meaning if they do $1 million, they probably will clear in a good day. You'll clear 25, maybe 30%, 300,000. They'll give you $100,000. I said, and what else do I have to do? No, nothing. You mean no staff, no inventory, no financial capital at risk? No. And, he, and then so Jordash licensed the brand. They go do $100 million. They come back with $10 million. And I'm like, I didn't have to do anything for this. No, you didn't. You just have to keep the core customer happy. Then we go and license boots, bags, ladies, fragrance. Da, 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 da. I was like, holy, this is like stealing. This is like taking a cookie from a child, like a two-year-old. Give me the cookie. <laughs> right? So all of a sudden, they go, you want to license a territory? What do you mean license a territory? You want to try to go and build in Japan? No, why would I do that? Oh, well, a trading company called Mitsubishi wants to license your brand in Japan. Okay. $10 million come in. Any other countries out there? <laughs> And then we start rolling them out yeah. because we learn the value of license. Don't get me wrong. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Ernest, what's up? Look, today I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind, a real weight on my shoulders. You know, we all have these moments, big or small, that just stick with us. When we don't talk about these things, then they can start to affect our lives in unexpected ways. That's why having a space to express these feelings is so important. I know firsthand the benefits of therapy. It's been transformative for my friends and family. Therapy can help you learn crucial skills like setting boundaries and developing coping strategies. It's not just about dealing with major events. It's also about enhancing your day-to-day -day life, allowing you to become the best version of yourself. So if you've been thinking about therapy, BetterHelp can be a great option for you. It's entirely online, which makes it super convenient and adaptable to your busy schedule. You start by filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can even switch therapists at any time if you feel the need without any additional cost. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash EarnYourLeisure today to get 10% off your first month. Remember, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash EarnYourLeisure. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Head over there now. Wrong license can be wrong too, because if somebody takes in a license and they don't value or respect your brand, and all of a sudden your brand is in this department store uh, looking really good, and the ladies' brand is out there on the corner of the street meeting soft serve, and they're just trying to move it really quick, and you're like, "What happened?" And it can it can kill your brand. So that's really what happened. We moved in, into a, into a lot of countries. Some worked, some didn't. Um, but you when you when we were in Japan. They want to wear more like uh, characters. Like, so we had to say, we'll give you 50% of the identification of the brand, what it is here, because they love hip hop. Mm -hmm. And you can make your own 50% of the type of styles you like. We'll approve it. We'll approve all the advertising and all the marketing, right? And that's how we move to countries. Some countries work, some didn't. Mm, so, so, so somebody else just essentially 
I give you 10% and now everything is on me. I just everything get to put FUBU on it, but I got to manufacture it. I got to, I got to, put yeah. it, I got to do all that stuff. You got to go to trade shows. You got to say your staff, every single thing is your job. And then when in a traditional license, what happens is you, you, you say, listen, I'll give you the first 18 months equals a year, right? You got to develop the brand in six months, get it out there. That's one year. You got a three to five year license, right? So five years, you run the license. If you hit all the things you're supposed to do and there's a minimum guarantee, Hey, we believe we're going to do one million the first year, five million the second year, ten whatever the case is, on and on. You're supposed to get a minimum of whatever your license is, ten percent. So million dollars a year. You know, no matter what happens, they got to give you a hundred thousand dollars. Now, it's all like a partnership. What if you had a rough time? What if somebody said? What if I said something crazy about Fubu and it was hurt? They can either try to buy, say, I don't want the license no more. I can say. Guys, I get it. Only give me 50. But if they're doing really good, you can get 500,000 from that license. A million. Everybody wants to win, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how you do a license. And if you hit all the criterias in, let's say, five years, you get an automatic renewal. Every single year, Damon, I gave you 100. Then I gave you this. I gave you that. I built this brand for you. I need an automatic renewal because I hit all the marks, Right. So these are the way licensing go. It's basically a lease. Right. It's like leasing a car or leasing an apartment. And uh, but again, if you're in Walmart, well, your license may be three percent because Walmart's going to do 10 million a year automatically. But the margin is much smaller on the profit. So that's the way licensing. So works. do you think because the margins are so much smaller and maybe you get the 10 million that maybe people that are in the fashion world, especially from our culture, decided to go with the sell route rather than leasing. The what route? Selling the company. Because we've seen people sell their clothing brands rather than going the route of leasing. They might not even have known that was an option. Or th that was the other part. Or, or they weren't educated in the, the, the space. You know, you know, businesses, uh, everything is an art, right? And money, if you are running a business, uh, often the boss doesn't get paid. Right. It's a huge cash suck. You're bringing the money. You're investing some here. You're investing some there. Right. And you're paying for all the great people to work for you, the advertising, the marketing, and you don't get paid. Uh, we happen to have a great distribution deal. We had another trading company, Samsung, who was uh, manufacturing and distributing on clothes. Right. And we were uh, being able to finance it through there. But you often have to raise funds. And sometimes people sell to take money off the table. Um, sometimes they sell because they go, I've been, I've had plenty, I hear this about, I hear this about, I don't know, 10 times a year. I was the richest, poorest man or woman in the room. Why? I was doing, uh, $200 million. I lived a great life, cars, jets, whatever, but I wasn't saving enough because if I even made an extra 10 million, I'm putting it back in the business. So now a public company came in and took me out, right? And gave me, uh, took out 51%. I took a good amount of money at the table. I got to now work for it for three years as a face and operate it, no problem. So you'll always come across those challenges. That's a very personal decision. Why are you in business? Do you want partners? Do you want to be taken out? There's a lot of people who've had companies who end up not having anything at the end of the day because they put the money in so much, everybody got paid. You know, one person who got paid more than all of us, our gene maker in the beginning. You know what he said? A uh, guy from China. He said, I don't care if you make a gene for $4, you make it for $50. I want $1 a gene. I will 
I'll, I'll handle it. I'll, I'll get the buttons. I'll put the sewing, all the things you want together. I'll put together, I'll package, I'll clear customs, whatever. He made $1 a jean. Five years in, he made 30 million jeans. Hmm. He didn't have any staff. He didn't have to do any advertising, any marketing. So there's a lot of people who are going to get paid often and you don't. You'll turn around. You have a retail store. Well, who got paid? I'll give, you a, I'll give you an instance. One of my buddies, really wealthy real estate guy, he talks to a huge, huge celebrity that we all know, we all know of. Uh, not an African-American celebrity, just happened to another celebrity. And the guy was like, yeah, you know, I'm opening all these uh, stores in these areas. And he has all, a lot of different types of stuff. He said, oh, cool. Well, you own any of the stores? He said, no, 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 I don't own any of that real estate, you know. And let's say, I'm not going to say what he's selling because you know, you'll know what he's selling. He's changed his business now. And he was on the phone with these big agents. These agents were on the phone with him. He was on the phone. Everybody, everybody was on the phone. And he just kind of wanted to talk to my real estate guy. My real estate guy said, let's say he was just selling, um, I, I, I don't know. Let, 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 let's say he was selling juices, green drinks. And he said, so you don't own any real estate? He said, no. He said, you're a fucking schmuck. <laughs> That's crazy. So he said, what? The agent's on the phone. You can't talk to him like that. He's one of the biggest stars in the world. And he said, hold on. Why you call me a smug? You got to deal with bringing in the juice, making the juice, the employees, the taxes, all that kind of stuff, advertising, marketing. I get paid whether you sell a goddamn juice or not. You're a schmuck. Everybody hung up the phone. Yo. <laughs> you can't talk to him like that. He's not used to talking like I know why he's not. You know why he's not used to talking like that? Because you're busy trying to make 20% off of every deal you do. And I get it. You don't want to tie him up with people who may not do the right or the wrong thing with him. So you don't look crazy. But he's a schmuck. That star called the guy separately, flew out to where he was and was like, and sat with him for three days and said, let me look through your papers if possible, you know, kind of mentor me. Mm-hmm. Now that guy owns all the real estate. But there's a lot of people who can get paid out of your business and you don't if you don't tweak things the right way. That's a fact. You're pretty much working to pay everybody else. Everybody's getting paid except for you. That, isn't, that, isn't that entrepreneurship at the <laughs> time? Because yeah. when you start, you don't own anything. When you start, you want to you wanna solve a problem, right? You, know, you guys started by wanting to solve a problem. There's something out there that is not entertaining but educating, and we want to make sure we bring in a certain way. We want it to be of value to a very certain community, but we want to bring everybody out there. And once there's a value here, it'll it'll overflow, no problem. And, and, and we just want to solve a problem. You guys didn't own microphone, the microphone company. You didn't own the camera company. Now you can obviously do more of what you have and, and do things. But when you start, all you're trying to do is solve a problem. You're not thinking about owning anything. All you need is help, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's that. But it, where during that time do you switch and say, Barbara Corcoran always say it was the building she owned more than the building she sold that she realized she made more money. She decided to put bigger offices and bigger buildings that she owned. So let's talk about some angel investing. Obviously, being on Shark Tank, you were investing before, but now you do it. So yeah. a lot of people look at Shark Tank and they don't think it's like a real business thing. They just think it's like Hollywood. But you're actually investing in some of these companies, right? Right. Well, don't sound like you believe in it. Either. No, 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 I'm just, I'm just saying for the for the public. Fifteen seasons of them for the public. <laughs> I got you. I got so, you. So, but, yo, 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 man, oh, did I, I didn't give you my number yet. Did I? All right. Fifteen seasons of investing. So, so yeah. So let's talk about some some successes. That let's you, talk about the. But you know what? 
I was sitting with, with somebody the other night and he said to me the same thing. And I said, man, why would you ask me that? I said, because after all these years, don't you think it would have came out? First of all, if it was not my money, I'd get everybody. Man, how much you need? <laughs> and then every one of my cousins and nephews and uncles would have been on that. Yo, Poogie, man, what you need? <laughs> I got you. Mm -hmm. Right. So first of all, that. Second of all, um, the, the pitches are hour long, um, average out. Um, we don't know anything about the entrepreneurs because somebody said, well, Damon, you know, uh, how much you know about them? If I knew about them, I wouldn't even tell them to come down the aisle because you wouldn't hear me say stuff like, hey, on your social media, you said some derogatory things six years ago about women or about veterans. Right. You don't hear that because I don't know anything. Right. We would have the upper hand on these things. We, but again, then why do I even wait for you to come down the aisle and say I'm out? Why would I even play? You know what I mean? Or act. Right. Um, so they're real and it's our own money. Um, that's why, you know, so a lot of time people go. So first of all, hour long, 16 cameras shooting it, 16 hours of footage for you to see eight minutes. I've had people go, yo, D, why would you give somebody uh, uh, 10 seconds to decide on something so critical in their life? <laughs> <laughs> I've been offering you $100,000 for 30 minutes. You're not looking at me. You want to kiss Mark Cuban's big pasty white ass. Can you give me an answer? I'm out. <laughs> you know, so it is as real it gets. And uh, you see us sometimes have teeth in various ways because there have been people that have went off and paid all their bills and not put the money in the company or lied or or like, yo, man, I'm doing you. Know, we, so we don't close the deals right there. We close about 80% of the deals. It takes us anywhere from six to nine months to close the deal. Sometimes I'm like, yo, why don't you tell me you owe the IRS a million dollars? They'd be like, you ain't ask. <laughs> I ain't mad at that. It wasn't good for you know TV. What I mean? It wasn't so, good for TV. Yeah. So, <laughs> We got to bet it. We got to bet these deals. And that's why you see sometimes the nastiness because we've been through it for 15 years. And there are a good amount of people who are either the green. I don't personally believe anybody has gotten up on there and said, I want to lie and I want to steal. I do not believe in that. More importantly, though, the other side of it, man, we've seen so many people that have changed their lives and have educated and empowered other people. I no longer have to come up with the biggest and best idea myself. Younger people, older people than me that are solving a problem, allow us to be part of their dream. But it is as real as it gets. And that's why it's 15 years in uh, why it's so real. And it's real and, and it's accurate in real time. If you go and look at it, you'll go, that's when we're in a recession. That's when the COVID hit. Oh, why is this year? They're talking about AI. They're talking about employee retention. They're talking about all their things. And 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 you see real time what's happening in the environment. What's some of the there's, best deals? There. That but there's still a competitive out. piece to it, right? What? So, I mean, it's still a competitive piece. So like when you're competing against the other sharks yeah. and you're watching some of the successes and you know you passed on one, what is that like when you get back on set? Well, first of all, on set itself, a lot of people go, are you kind of drumming it up? No, if you go out and play, if you go out and play football with, or basketball with your brother, you're going to try to crack his head open, aren't you? Now put yourself in front of 10 million people with, with, with $200,000 at risk and ego. I'm going hard after Barbara. Mm -hmm. You know, she doesn't take a medicine, so it's pretty easy. I'm going hard after Kevin. 
Um, yeah, no, the scoreboard is real. <clears throat> and uh, anybody want to ask me who is the most successful investor well, in Shark Tank history? Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you asked. So, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, there was a company that came on oh, to the, the show. Wait, hold on. Shoes, um, the shoes have come off. <laughs> there was a company that came on to the show called Bomber Socks, and uh, they're going to hit a billion dollars this year in sales. More importantly, they've given a pair of socks and, and garments to homeless every time that they purchased it. Number one brand ever invested in Shark Tank history. And um, the, the one that got away is company called Ring Doorbell sold for $1.3 billion. Now, the guy that came on, Jamie, became a guest shark, says he was asking too much when he came on the show. And he says he understands why we passed. I think he owes us 5% because after we, <laughs> after we tenderized him so gently, he went out to the market and raised the money, but he reduced his ask. However, everybody asks me all of a sudden, uh, do I ever regret? I normally don't regret anything. The only time I do regret something is there was a company that I went after to, you know, uh, to try to bid off of and I lost it. And it's the second best selling company in Shark Tank history. And it is a stupid ass looking little sponge. It has a smiley face on it. It's called the Scrub Daddy. Lori invested into that thing. I think she's probably done $500 million. And not only did she do $500 million, but every time I walk into the grocery store or something, yeah. What do you think smiling at me? And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to keep it 100. Lori has 12 of the top 20 best-selling products in Shark Tank history. Remember, she was doing this before she was doing Shark Tank. She was finding great businesses. She put them on QVC. She knows her customer. So if it's plastic and under, 20, and under $50, she's slinging it like crack. She is the best when it comes to consumer packaged goods on Shark Tank, uh, and she knows how to market it. So, so it is very, very competitive. So let's talk about the sock situation then, since that's a real life example of a company that worked. Um, that's the number one in Shark Tank history. In, in invested in, yes. So can you talk about the deal? I don't, I don't know if people actually watched that episode. Like, what were the asks? What did you agree to? And how was that company able to scale to where it is now? So I. Thank you. I can't necessarily talk about the agree to, right? Because some of these things fluctuate. Because right. and that's that's the big story they try to put out in the news. Do you realize that the deal don't close exactly like they do on TV? No shit. The sharks oh. actually negotiate when they go through due diligence. Do you ever go to a house and be like, "Yo, I like the house. I'm gonna give you four hundred thousand. Let me check it out. Oh, the boiler's broke. I'm gonna give you four hundred thousand." No, you figure it out, right? So the deal, I think, I, I'm not sure how much it was, uh, but it was, I think I settled, I, I, I on a show, I think I did 17.5% or 19 or something like that. They were only doing 800,000. That's the important part. But I think what I can take away from that is that if you look at why I got into the show, when you're ever looking at a target to invest in, um, you should understand why they want to be in it, you know, into the investment. These guys go on the show. They knew that the last thing I wanted was to, to invest in clothing companies. I went onto the show because in 08, when nobody can buy, when, when, when nobody has money, nobody's buying more clothes if they can't pay their mortgage. I have 10 clothing companies. I just told you about all of them. Eight of them were dead. The last thing I wanted was more clothing coming because I want to diversify my portfolio. I want to go to Macy's and say, hey, I got young men's, but 
uh, can I sell you cosmetics? Can I sell you electronics? And I was only, like I said in the beginning, I was only getting pitched clothing companies being put in a box. So I wanted to go on the show to diversify my portfolio. The last thing I want was socks. Mm. However, social media started to really turn and we started to convert online. So they were like, I know Damon doesn't like, he likes clothes, but he also likes philanthropy. And he doesn't know, he's dependent on the retailers. We're going to show him how to give at the same time and talk directly to his customer. Because now Damon makes it for 10, sells it at a store for 20, they sell it for 40. I'm going to show Damon how to make it for 10, sell it for 40. So they kind of wagged the dog. There was the last thing I ever want to see. And I think that that's the great thing a lot of people can learn from. Uh, you can find other ways to extract information or value to somebody you're pitching. And that's what happened. Um, and they scale because, again, the changing of times. When FUBU, when we gave away millions of dollars in the 90s, we never advertised and marketed because we were like, man, it's like making the it's like making money off the hardship of people. Like, what are we going to do? Right. Th there wasn't social media. And then we got a big backlash. FUBU doesn't support African-Americans. And we had already done. We were building, you know, uh, uh, basketball courts and whatever. But now with social media, people want to know what did you do for somebody? There's layers. You don't have to advertise it. There's user generated content, as we call it, like, hey, I just got something from this company. Thank you. And so now when people buy Bomba socks, like I'll give you an example. I'll talk to my daughter, work at a pizza parlor. I'll say, hey, I gave at the end of the year to all these charitable organizations. She said, end of the year? I gave 20 times a year. Honey, we're only three months into the year. I know, but daddy, and you only work at the pizza parlor. Daddy, every time I bought this, I helped clean up the ocean. Every time I bought this, I, I stopped human trafficking. And every time I bought this, somebody in need got another pair of uh, socks yeah. and by the way i'm giving it to you for christmas 10 pairs and you're giving to 10 people just so you know and that's the way bombers has really been effective and uh and they're hands-on they're in they're in the shelters they know everybody they're not just dumping off boxes they they, they really are in there and, and we are in there they I, I i have the joy of going once in a while they go all the time. So that's why they're successful. It, 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 they're really about what they do. You know, after 15 years of the show, I wonder, do you are you learning from your fellow sharks and from the contestants who come? Because you talk about empowership. There's three things that, that help power. Right. You talk about nurturing relationships. You talk about influence and you, you talk about the last one was influence. Yeah. So the influence is obviously the people around you. So I wonder what that relationship's like as you continuously be on the show negotiating. We can see that happening. Yeah. Um, but the nurturing, because yes, there's competitiveness from the, the your counterparts on the show, but also the relationship that you're going into business with people with. How, how do you how do you navigate through that? Man, I'm learning from everybody. Every, I mean, even if it's a mistake, I'm learning. But I'm really learning from everybody. You know, a lot of people say, Damien, you know, you're the snake in the grass. You're so quiet on the show. No, I'm just not that bright. So I'm sitting there. I'm listening to something. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get into that. Oof, I'll just wait till my shot. You know what I'm saying? Like double dust. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm going to rock this away. Oh, I'm, I'm about to put a bit in. And Robert says some crazy shit. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And for that reason... <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> so I'm learning from everybody. You know what I'm saying? And then those these people coming on, you know, they're coming on solving problems that are so simple, so complicated. You're learning. You know what I learned the other day? I'm listening. You like vanilla, natural vanilla extract? You, you know, you like yes. the thing of vanilla. You know what natural vanilla extract is? 
It's the juice that comes out of a beaver's asshole. How you, you thinking about some soft serve right now? I got it. But now, um, <laughs> is the glands in a beaver's asshole? It's not vanilla from a vanilla tree. No, it's vanilla. Not a vanilla bean. Vanilla bean. It's natural vanilla extract. Is the glands they excrete something uh, from a beaver's ass? Learn something new every day. I'm out. <laughs> you see how much I learn? That's crazy. Isn't it nuts? I learn all these things from the show. I learn so much from the show. Now that's pretty disgusting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty yeah. <laughs> you know, I hate, these, I hate these quiet moments. <laughs> well, there you have it. So let's switch topics. Let's talk about literature. So you have a children's book. Yes. Right? Oh, so man. What, what made you want to become an author in, in that realm? Thank you. Um, is, is there anything about your staff? My staff said it. Uh, I said, what are you talking about? And they were like, well, they mean, you know, I, I thank God I have uh, many uh, top selling books. Uh, but these books are thick, right? Um, and I don't like writing them necessarily. I write them because uh, I, I every time I hear somebody have a problem, I write it down and go, okay, well, go to Tim Ferriss, go to Tony Robbins, go check out my book, whatever. Okay, If I don't have an answer for it, I write it. And then after about two years, I go, wow, this book needs to be written. But what I realized is we in this country, you see Mark Cuban, as you all know, are taking on this a, a very big challenge of breaking the this uh, pharma, uh, pharmaceutical challenge, right? And giving our mm -hmm. and giving access to drugs at affordable prices. And and he he's got a big challenge ahead of him. But it's called cost plus drugs. Um, it's the stupidest name I've ever heard um, because when people say cost plus. Doesn't that sound like a lot? Okay, so as a business person, what cost is, is at cost, meaning it is wholesale, plus he puts a little 10% on. So if the pill is $100, he buys the pill for five and maybe puts a little bit on for uh, you know his staff and sells it $2 and sells it at seven. That's what it really is. And he's changing the world with it. I have a bigger issue that's easier to solve. This country, we never had financial intelligence. Uh, we're going off a very old school system. 80 years ago, this is the same school system. We were at war and we were teaching people how to build ships, being great employees, and it was a great time. That's why they have shop and all those other various things. But we were never taught financial intelligence. We can be taught anything else in school. And especially as African-Americans, we don't come from legacy wealth. So we probably don't have a grandfather, grandmother, or whatever the case is to teach us this. And the stat is that a kid uh, graduating college today, 50% of them will retire with a job title that doesn't exist today. It's like telling somebody 20 years ago, well, you were going to be a social media expert, a professional gamer, or a pay-per-click expert, or whatever the case is, an AI expert. So if you don't have any financial intelligence and you're not taught it at the age of 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, the same way you taught a sport, the same way you taught an instrument, well, then at 17 years old, you can acquire $700,000 worth of student debt for a career you're not even certain you want to have that you won't pay off until you're in your 50s. When you don't have finance and money, well, what happens? Domestic violence rises. If you don't have money and you don't know how financial intelligence works, well, if you don't have access to a job, well, somebody will say, I don't care if you have access to a job, I'll give you a hundred, I'll give you $500, stand on this corner, wear this color, right? 
you can't eat healthy. He eating healthy is expensive. So what's the most profitable things in this country to sell? They're made out of butter, sugar, and salt. Now, all of a sudden, you have, you have health issues. High blood mm -hmm. pressure. You have health issues and you're not even covered. The root of what's going on in this country is our children are not taught financial intelligence. And I have 150 teachers that are uh, my advisors and they don't have financial intelligence because they were never taught it. The, they will tell you everything about social studies, everything about math, everything about science, but they weren't taught it because again, all right, so when you taught it? At 19 years old, if you take accounting, well, you go to war and they put you on a battleship and they teach you how to swim when you're in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> you're supposed to, you know, learn this stuff earlier on. And that's why I want to break this system. And this is what I'm going to go to my grave with by breaking this system. That's not a conspiracy. It's just we have to think about it. So if we learn at the earlier age how to operate money, it's very simple how to operate money. Three dollars, three million, three billion come in. Three dollars comes in. The first dollar goes for what you have to pay for your rent or medicine or whatever the case is. The second goes for an investment, whether in a public company or your or your education, but not alone. What you have right there. And the third goes for what you would like to have but don't have to have. If you don't spend all the number three, you put it into number two, right? Number two eventually overflows into one and three. But as hardworking Americans, what do we do? We go and do number three first because we want to treat ourselves. We worked really hard. We never get to number two. And then we pay 18% credit card on number one. We corrode it from the bottom. If you just put away $100, if you just say automatic debit, $100 every single month out of your check for when you're 18 up to 60, that's a one point, I think, $4 million. Right? What about long-term care? Long-term care, if you're listening to me right now, if you are, uh, you know, we're going to take care of our parents two times long and they took care of us. If you are right now 30 or 50, under 50 years old, you could probably get a long-term care policy at probably maybe $50 a month. Because by the time you're 60, 70 years old, God forbid you have dementia and all these other things that are growing and you have to get long-term care. It costs an average of, for you or your parent, it costs an average of $20,000 a month to get a decent uh, amount of long-term care. So imagine if you had $3 million in the bank and both your parents have to go uh, and or your aunt or whoever has to go into long-term care for three years, your money's gone. This is all about having fi financial intelligence. Mm. And those long-term care policies could be annuities. It's true. Yeah, yeah I mean, we're, we're on a similar mission. I know uh, something that is you're also passionate about is Entrepreneur's Day. Yep. Uh, we, Black there. Entrepreneur's Day. Yeah, let's Man, talk about that for a little bit. Black Entrepreneur's Day. I was sitting around in 2020, like most of us, and I was watching, I was watching the TV, and these kids were burning buildings instead of burning businesses instead of building businesses. And I said, I was there in 1992 when, or whenever that was, when Ronnie King was choked, and I wanted to go out there and burn businesses too. But I realized that empowering myself was the only way I was going to get out of this situation and make other people respect me. I got to find a way to band us together. And so I was feeling helpless like most people and I was watching TV and our government was not stepping up and I was seeing a lot of things. And I said, you know what? What is a true entrepreneur do? Let me call my assets. Let me call 
brands I know, hey, guys, who wants to get together and create some the giveaway money to people in need during this time? Let me call all the celebrities. Let me call Shaquille O'Neal and Bob Johnson and Ice-T and LL Cool J and talk about how the times we have failed and overcame it. And we were in that same frustrating space in our lives. I did it online. Next thing you know, I give away $250,000 grants. Give it away. Uh, to a bunch of businesses. Uh, I have people on the marquee like Shopify and the general and Chase saying, we're standing by with this man about empowering African-Americans. Next thing you know, I do it at Apollo next year, the next year. Now I'm on my fourth year of giving away almost a million dollars to black businesses. Um, a bunch of black businesses have applied for these grants. These are, it's free money. I, I, I'm now at the Apollo Theater and I do it every single year. Uh, I went from I went from, um, you know, watching the Sandman and all those guys on the Apollo Theater in the 70s and 80s to then standing outside with my little table and my hats and my partners trying to sell stuff in the 90s to getting a seat in it, maybe in 2000s and now booking it out for the for two full days to give away money to African-Americans who hopefully because of now social media and all this stuff, their businesses, they can hit a billion people. They're going to be bigger and better than Damon John ever was. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and this is something I do every year. And unfortunately, money, money's drying up. My sponsors are all staying by me, my Chase, my Shopify, you know, my my Lowe's, uh, you know, and the ones who did. But most of these other ones who were like, yo, yeah, yeah, we have this initiative <laughs> and all that. They ain't messing with us no more. Wait till the next time somebody catches it on film. Because you know what's happening every night. Mm -hmm. The next time it's on film, they're going to be like, oh, yo, D, what's happening? Still got that thing? Huh? You still got that thing you was yeah, in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what about that black entrepreneur? Hey, how, how you doing out there? But the ones who stick by me are sticking by me. The one, you know, the gentleman like you who, uh, if you don't talk to Chauncey, we could have been talking about this for three years <laughs> who support me. Well, speaking of support, last question I'll ask is, obviously, you've been an iconic figure in our culture. Um, but how do you feel about your legacy, especially when it comes to black media? I believe you've never been on any um, front pages of any publication, <laughs> stuff like that. Do you think about that stuff or how, how, what's your thoughts on? on yeah, I, I think I think somebody shared that with you. you know, I have not been on the cover of any black magazine ever. Um, I have the top I have the number one selling cover on Inc., and the number four selling cover on Inc. I've been on Inc. three times, I think. Success Magazine, Entrepreneur Magazine. Um, I've never been on the cover of any African-American magazine. Um, I think that it is, um, and it's not because I need to be, right? I'm on uh, Shark Tank reruns on CNBC 60 times a week. I am the Kardashians of CNBC. Uh, I don't have any shortage of attention for me. Now, to qualify that statement, I should not be on the cover of a music magazine. I should not be on the cover of a sports magazine, right? Um, I do think that those magazines, if they're going to put Beyonce on the cover, uh, and I know cover space is important, put the inside story of Beyonce's amazing uh, team behind her, right? And that's the way we show 
uh, or LeBron uh, put Maverick and a lot of people in between because I want every single kid out there to say, if I can't be a Beyonce, I'm going to be around her because I could be her lawyer. You know, I could be her manager and the same with LeBron. And I think that our, our, our young men and women need to see that they can be part of that. And I think they would also that magazine would probably get way more advertising because they wouldn't get necessarily just cosmetic lines and clothes, but they would get Chase. Uh, they would get into it, right? They would get other things. I think it's just a smart thing to do. Um, you know, I don't. I don't know why necessarily. I haven't been on there because um, there's a million people like us three in the room that we see the behind the scenes. Maybe it goes back to that systemic thing we were talking about in the past, where they weren't used to putting African-Americans on the top because they said, hold on, slow down, man. Don't put me on there. I don't want to do it. I don't want too much attention. Mm. I mean, we only quietly heard of Robert Smith two, three years ago. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's other, you know, I'm, I, I'm fortunate enough, enough to be in a group. Uh, there's about 60 versions of us in that room. There's uh, Ken Chanel, Robert Smith, and there's other there's other people, Robert Smith size, that nobody knows. Uh, the right people know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but forget me, I think that, you know, uh, I think that the I think that the African American inspired publications uh, should just highlight more of people like like Ursula, you know the, the you know IBM uh, CEO. I think that I think the more they uh, they got to find a way to do that because our kids want to emulate what they see the most of, and it's very hard, right? You know. I can sit there on Shark Tank all I want. You guys can do Earn Your Leisure you want. You can see it. And if you listen to Earn Your Leisure podcast, you probably will listen to you. You definitely listen to every podcast and you may listen to one a couple of times. But if you hear a song, you know, you're going to listen to that 10 times a day. And that song, uh, as country music and, and rap music is always the voice of the people, that song is a young man or woman reflecting on what they are dealing with in life. And nobody it, nobody can judge them for saying this is right or wrong. And that may often have a lot of elements that are not in the best interest of a child to want to aspire to. So it, we have to be very intentional about the way that we try to like you do it, like you do it on your leisure. We have to be intentional about the way we try to curve the discussion. I think. Yeah. Well, I'd like to thank you. Yeah. I'd man. like to forgive Chauncey in advance uh, <laughs> yeah. for making us wait three yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For 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 creating a mold and for creating a platform for us to aspire to look to be right. So if there isn't a Damon John that comes from hip hop and house queens, there's a sense to business. Who knows if there is two young men that can create earn your leisure. So I want to just personally thank you. Uh, thank you, brother. Thank you for highlighting this. And um, I wouldn't be here without all those greats who who we will never hear the names of, who have sacrificed their lives and various other things for us to be able to even be free, right, to have this discussion that, that people will never have heard of who, you know, you know, we, you know we stand on the shoulder of giants. And I know we can appreciate that, so. Thank you. And thank you, everybody who listens. And, uh, man, thank you for keep supporting entrepreneurship. Love what you did uh, out there with, uh, what was the thing in Atlanta? What was it called? Invest Fest. Ooh, heard 20,000. We, we, need, we need you there next year. Uh, absolutely. I love what Steve's doing. <laughs> I, by the way, when I was talking about my book, 
please, if you're a celebrity or a bank or whoever you are or whatever the case is, please compete with me. Get another financial book out. It was the number one book on Amazon for 24 hours. That means more books. I don't even, if you get anything, it has a pamphlet in it, it has instructions. I sold more books than everything that existed in the planet 24 hours. Compete with me. Yo, put out more stuff. Right? It's a party. Let's sh let's show up to the party. Yeah, everybody's invited. Let's All do right. it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for rocking with us. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.